pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, your truth. Thank you for your power. God, and I pray that we just take the next few moments and just to lean into your word. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds to receive what the Christmas story is all about. I pray that it would lift us. I pray that it would encourage us, God. Uh, I pray that you would bind the enemy during this time who wants to distract and derail and uh, uh, just steal, kill, and destroy. And we're just praying right now, God, that you would speak life, that you would speak hope, that you would speak healing. God, I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So as we think about uh, Christmas and the holiday season, there are we have Thanksgiving and then we jump right to Christmas, right? And there's many even traditions that come about uh, all throughout this particular time. And some of our traditions can weigh from family to family, right? Uh, one family may have one particular tradition and one family may have another tradition. And sometimes uh, you may look at somebody else's tradition and go, wow, okay, that's a little crazy or that's cool, that's fun, whatever that may be, because our traditions vary from much to much. And maybe in your mind, tradition is not the right word. It's what your family may do during the holidays, right? And, and what that may mean. And for us, we may not set it up as a super intentional thing, but yet that's what we do, right? Whatever it may be. It could be the family comes in from all around town. It could be uh, that your family gets together and you play particular games together, what, uh, gingerbread. It could be cards. It could be dominoes, whatever those may be. It could be you open up one present on Christmas Eve, which is usually pajamas or socks. You know, whatever it may be, right? You have those things that we do. Uh, my wife's family has a tradition uh, that we've really grown to love is in the morning you wake up and the first thing you do is have ice cream sundaes right like first thing is yeah you get to put all the toppings on there then we sing happy birthday jesus and read luke chapter 2 and then we open up presents so that's a fun thing that they've done as well and on christmas i don't know if you've noticed this or maybe experienced this but as christmas eve kind of ends the night comes and everybody gets in bed and of course everybody's a little excited about the next morning or what that could look like and uh, but there's a moment where the house settles and it's like everything gets quiet, right? It's just the, the quietness of the night, the quietness of that Christmas Eve. And, and you're, you're not sure, and I'm sure people are trying to fall asleep, but it kind of causes this, you have this excitement, but there's this nervousness. There's this, okay, it's quiet now. And you may enjoy it for a moment, but then you're like, okay, we're ready, to, we're ready for the next morning. And when I was a kid, I remember getting up like at 4 a.m. Like, ooh, let's go, let's go. And I can't wake my parents up, they'll kill me. I need to wait a little bit longer, let me go back to bed. And it's like 5 a.m., like, okay, let's go, ready to go. And then finally, you know, 6 a.m., that's long enough. Might as well wake them up, ready to go. And all the parents are like, no, don't tell my kids that. But if you begin to think about that, but that, that really, that building of the excitement is what the Christmas season. And when I think about the story of Christmas, in that small little subsection of our lives, we think about all of the Old Testament. And really all of the Old Testament, we're building up to this moment where just thousands of years of people declaring, prophesying, saying, the King is coming, the Messiah is coming, God is coming. And when God comes, He's going to rule, He's going to reign, and everything is going to change. I mean, He's going to usher in this new, complete new way of life. 
And if you grew up reading the Old Testament back in those times, everybody was pointing to it. Prophets would come. A hundred years later, another prophet would come. And they would prophesy and keep pointing to this coming Messiah. And then we get to the old, end of the Old Testament. And after the Old Testament ends, there's about 400 years of silence. And it kind of makes me think about that night, you know, where everything just kind of grows quiet. And it's, there's no conversation that happened, or at least that is recorded in Scripture. And everybody is sitting back going, oh, it's quiet now. Where is God? We've been hearing this for thousands of years that the Messiah is coming, the King is coming. But yet everything from the Old Testament before we see the Gospels has grown quiet. And I'm sure the people who have been reading the Old Testament over and over again going, where's God? I thought he was coming. This Messiah here, we've been setting this up for hundreds and thousands of years. Where is God right now? And it's just quiet. And I can only imagine that we've had moments like that in our life where God has been moving and stirring. And then all of a sudden it's like he got quiet. Going, oh God, well, God, where did you go? I'm wrestling through this. Did you leave me? I can't hear you right now. I thought you were doing this in my life, but yet now I can't see you. I can't see how you're working in my life. And it just grew quiet. And it began to stir. And sometimes it can even feel quiet, but it also, maybe we've described it as feeling dark. Like I just feel this heaviness. I don't know what, what is next or what's in front of me. It's unclear. It's, it's shady. I'm not sure what is about to happen. And this is what God's people felt like during this time. And I, I can imagine generation came and they're looking to the Old Testament. And then another generation came and he still didn't come. And then another generation came, right? 400 years. And then another generation come and he still hasn't come. And so they're sitting back going, well, I thought he was prophesied. I thought this was true. I thought this was happening. And then... Here it comes, right? The Christmas story. All of a sudden, the silence and the quiet was broken. And we see a first glimpse of God bringing back and, and bursting forth in the darkness. And the way that he does this is God calls down an angel, Gabriel. We see Gabriel all throughout Scripture, the book of Daniel. And he's a messenger angel that God brings down. And he sends Gabriel. I, I can just picture this in heaven. What an amazing scene, right? For God to look down to Gabriel and go, hey, I need you to deliver this message for me. And the first person after all of these years that we know of that, that God brought, brought the silence, the first person that God speaks to through the angel is Zechariah. And Zechariah was a priest in the Old Testament. He is declaring to him that you're going to give birth to a son and his name is going to be John the Baptist. And he is going to prepare the way for the coming king. And if you can imagine, or maybe you've seen movies or read books in the old time, when the king would come into a town, there was like this parade that would go in front of them, declaring, here comes the king, here he comes here, and he's ushering him in in this moment. And so John the Baptist was to usher in the coming king. And so the angel Gabriel declares this to Zechariah and his family after they've been waiting for years and years. And then six months later, can you, I even just think about that. You, you get the presence of an angel, the Zechariah, right? And they know they're going to have, uh, they're going to give birth to John the Baptist. And then they have to wait six months, which I know is not a long time, like in the grand scheme of things when we look at it. But when you're in the middle of the six months, you're like, where did you go, God? Right. You told me this. Now I'm waiting six months for this next thing to happen. And then six months later, God breaks the silence again. And he, and he brings Gabriel down. And he speaks to this young girl, Mary, and he declares to Mary 
that this is what is going to happen. And this is where we pick up here in Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to read verses 26 through 38. And then we're going to kind of pick it apart of what this Christmas story is. How did the light come to us here on earth? Everybody still doing okay? All right, so verse 26, it says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Jesus, Jesus, who was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her son uh, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What a scene as we get to peek in behind the curtain of what is happening here. And what a blessing it is to have scripture, firsthand accounts of what God happened as we open this up and get to read this story. But the angel appears to Mary and Mary is a young girl. Obviously, we see in scripture, she brings it up over and over again that she's a virgin. She hasn't been with a man. And so obviously it's causing some confusion when the angel appears and declares to her, you're going to give birth to a son, the the son of. Of God, And any time that angel uh, comes forward in Scripture, what is people's response? Like sheer terror, right? Just fear. Some of them hit the ground because this angelic being is standing in front of them. Can you imagine the scene that Mary is first hearing from Gabriel? This amazing scene that she's enduring and all of a sudden she hears, you're going to give birth to the Son. Not, not just any Son but the Son of God. And he begins to describe who the Son is going to be. I mean, no pressure, right, for Mary. She's only going to give birth and raise the Son of God, the coming Messiah, the one whom everybody has been waiting for, the one that we've been sitting in the silence for 400 years and now has birthed forth for her and I to see. But the amazing thing for you and I is to understand what the angel says about Jesus, because I think that's important. And what the angel says about Jesus gives us a picture of the Christmas story and why this Christmas story is so monumental that it changed humanity forever. Why there's this group called the Bridge Church that's meeting together in the low country, still talking about this Christmas story because of who Jesus is when he came. And this is what she describes Jesus as, or the angel describes Jesus as, you will conceive and it says he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign 
over the house of Jacob forever. I love that word reign. And that word reign means to rule, to have authority, to be the king. And they're describing Jesus as king. Jesus is king, but yet he may not be the king that you and I have really played in our minds. And in Scripture, we see over and over again, when there are gaps, we as humans like to fill in those gaps, don't we? Like if there's a lack of communication somewhere, our brain will fill in the gap, won't it? Um, Oftentimes, mine will fill in worst case scenario, right? I got no communication from my kid over the last 30 minutes. Oh no, here we go, right? Like this just paints a picture or whatever it may be, but we tend to fill in the gaps. And we see even in Scripture that even the disciples following Jesus filled in the gaps of the story of who Jesus is because they begin to think and even ask Jesus, oh God, when are we going to overthrow Rome? When are we going to take over this city and this political power? When are you going to join and become the king of right here on earth? And Jesus constantly points them to a bigger kingdom. But what Jesus shows us is, is that Jesus, if you're taking notes, I have a few things to point out that Jesus is king. But what kind of king is Jesus? And why is it so important for you and I today? One is that Jesus is a humble king. He's a humble king. And uh, this past week we had a FCA right here at USCB. A speaker came and he really inspired me uh, with uh, this way of thinking. And he challenged the group and he said, I want you to imagine, right, let's just lean in here, imagine, right? I want you to imagine you have unlimited resources. Unlimited. Money is no option. You got, your bank account just keeps getting filled up. You're like, yes, I'm praying for, anyway. But like, but just keeps filled, you got unlimited resources. And you have unlimited, uh, you have unlimited ability to be at any place, at any time, in any moment. All around the world, at any moment, any generation, any of those things, you have unlimited resources. What kind of house would you have, right? I'm starting, I'm like infinity pool. I'm like on the lake, right where the sunrise comes up. It's the, I'm in Maine. I'm the first one to see it in the United States. You know, whatever it is, right? All of these moments. And it's like, what season? And we begin to lean in and think about God had unlimited resources, He has un, he can think it and it would come into existence, right? And not only that, he could have came at any moment in history that he wanted. Any moment, right? And he could have come and declared a way, but Jesus chose to come at this point of history and this point of time. And not only that, I mean, if I'm coming as the king of the world, the savior whose kingdom who would never end, I'm probably riding in on this beautiful horse and setting up on this palace. But yet Jesus comes and he comes to a young girl named Mary. And we'll read even next week, even further, how there's not even a place for them to stay. In fact, they go, I have a house out back that's a stable Uh, In fact, most people believed it was a cave. I have a cave for you to go back. And Jesus comes and enters into the world with that reality that he is a humble king, right? He, and he's showing us who he is in his heart. And he is saying it doesn't matter if you have nothing or you have everything. But you and I are not uh, focused on the kingdom that is in our world. But are, we're focused on the kingdom that does not end. And he gives us a picture not only of the kind of king he is. But he's giving us an example of the way that you and I should live in our lives as well. If the creator of the universe, who is worthy to be praised, is living as a humble king, 
then we should live a humble life, right? We should live the lives of, of going, who can I serve? And a humble life doesn't mean I need to sell everything I own and have nothing, but the humble life is going, you know what? I'm here to serve those who are around me. And I think the holiday season is, becomes, a, it, it becomes a little stressful, I think, if we're honest. Moments of thinking, I got to get this and I got to buy this present. I got to do this and I got to coordinate this. And if you're hosting something, you're like, I love having my family together, but it's a lot of work, right? Whatever it may be. And we begin to think about all of those different avenues. But Jesus as a humble king allows you and I to step back a little bit and go, okay, what is the real reason for Christmas? What is the the reason for me to step back and go, the most important thing that I can do over Christmas may not be what I can give material, but what I can direct the people who are around me to. How I can serve them. How I can go, you know what, how, how can we bring this thing together and point people to the greatest story that has ever been told that where we say, hey, no matter where you are, God can meet you where you are and light comes into the darkness and we're able to serve those who are around us. I mean, Jesus being the one who could come and we should be serving him, but yet he comes and models the way of going, hey, how can I serve you? I mean, all of my students in the house, imagine if you walked into Christmas going, family, how can I serve you? Your parents may faint, right? Like we may like all of these things, right? To think about that, of the mental shift that begins to happen when we take on that. And the humbleness is not saying that I'm the lowest and I am nothing. No, being humble, Jesus is king of the universe, but yet he is still humble. It doesn't mean he is weak. He is humble. Humble means I can still know who I am in Christ, but I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to place your needs above mine. And I'm willing to help wherever I can. I'm willing to serve because I serve for a higher purpose and I love even just the picture because I think for we in America and our culture we've turned Christmas a little bit into material things right and Jesus coming in as a humble saying it's okay to have things but yet even if you don't God is enough right God is enough and he is king and sovereign overall and he directs us to a different kingdom the kingdom that will never end but then when we think about humble king I I love the declaration that the angel makes he will be great and he will be called son of the most high and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David he's pointing to David who was king right he became king and David was a warrior I mean there's a crazy stories of where David went and and took over a nation and God put him in power as a military leader to take over for God's people and there's all of these stories of David and Goliath and he's pointing them back going and Jesus is going to be the king, but his kingdom he's setting up a little different than David. In fact, I'm, I'm setting up a kingdom that's a little bit bigger. And there's this story, I don't know if you've read this story, maybe seen the movies. Um, there's a story by C.S. Lewis, and it's uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I don't know if you've heard of it before, and it's a story written by C.S. Lewis, and it's an allegory of our relationship with humanity and God and there's these different characters and animals that talk and it's it it leans us in but I want to read just a a portion of this because there's a a scene in this movie there's a scene in this story that I think depicts this really well and there's this main character called Aslan and Aslan is a lion and she is or he is this lion that points people to Jesus of what Jesus has done for us and so these kids are in this scene and they're talking about this lion and then this beaver 
Stay with me now. This beaver, they're having a conversation and the beaver declares who Aslan is. And this is the scene here. It says, Aslan is a lion. This is the little girl talking. Aslan is a lion. The lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall be rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. And he is the king, I tell you. I love that scene because he goes, it causes us to lean in and go, you're talking about a lion here, right? Like a lion is not safe. A lion is the king of the jungle. But when we point to Jesus, who is the lion of Judah, right? He is not safe. He is a powerful king. He is mighty. He is holy. But what causes us to lean into a powerful and holy God is because he is good. Because he is righteous. Because he loves us more than we can ever ask, think, or imagine. And he demonstrates that by the Christmas story. Sending his one and only son who will ultimately die on the cross for you and I. But Jesus is a powerful king. Uh, You look all the way back at the beginning of scripture in Genesis. It says that all things were created through him. And if we look at John chapter 1, it confirms that, right? That when Jesus spoke, things came into existence. And he is a mighty king. And if you look in the book of Revelation, what picture do we have of Jesus when he comes back? It's not that he's kind of skipping through the forest and we're going to make things right. No, he's on a horse, a tattoo on his thigh and a sword coming from his mouth. That's how he describes Jesus coming back. A powerful king who is ready to reign and take over his kingdom. He is full of hope, but yet full of justice. He is full of power, but yet humble King, And I think that's important for you and I to know, because if we don't realize how powerful our God is, we begin to put him in a box. Right. And I don't know about you, but I want I want to be able or I don't want to be able to understand the God that I serve, because if I can understand him and put him in a box, then he's on the same level as me. But he is, he is so much bigger than me. He is so much more powerful than me. And he, he can, all of these things, he is not thinking about this kingdom right now, but he's thinking about kingdom forever. And what he describes here for you and I is that uh, in verse 33, in his kingdom, there will be no end. And so many times we see even the disciples begin to fill in these gaps of going, aren't you going to take over? We're ready for you. We're, we're oppressed politically. Our economy is tanking. God, we need you to step in. Jesus, we can't wait and you're going to change all of this. We're going to see all of these things. And Jesus continually points them to something bigger. He's saying, my kingdom is eternal. I'm talking about this heavenly kingdom that we are building. And when we serve God, we're not just serving the God of our time right now, but he's saying I'm, I'm, we're serving the God who is eternal. And this amazing picture that you and I get to serve the God. And because he is all powerful, because his kingdom is served in eternity and it never ends, it causes you and I to be able to trust him. Right. Because if he, he is all powerful, he is all sovereign. Bible tells us that all he will work all things out for the good of those who love him because of that truth, because of that promise. You and I, we can trust him because of that. Daniel Kaznave, I can go, I can take a step back and go. God is king. 
God is still on the throne. He is still sovereign. He is so much bigger than I am. And He knows not only my generation, but generations to come. And I know He can handle this situation. I know He can handle this family member. I know He can handle whatever is in front of me. I know that His light can shine no matter what darkness I may be facing. Because He is all-powerful. Because He is holy. And it causes me, that reality, that revelation, causes me to go, okay God. I trust you. You are king. You are powerful, yet you are humble. And now I know I can surrender my life fully to you. And as we talk about this, it says that he will reign. And I love that word reign because that means that he rules. And when I think about my life, and because I don't want to superimpose who I am onto you, but when I think about my life before Jesus, it was mainly about me. Right? It was mainly about what, what I needed and this is what's going on in my life, God. And I kind of took a crown and I put it on my head and I became the king of my life. Like, this is, this is what I want to do. Here's everything that I need, God. And it became very self-focused. And I remember giving my life to Jesus, having the revelation of who Jesus is, that He is so much bigger, that He is so much holier than me, that He loves me more than I can ever ask, think, or imagine. And it took me surrendering my life and then and in that moment, I took the crown off my head and said, God, you're truly king, right? And when we surrender our lives to Jesus, that's what we do. We say, God, Jesus, you wear the crown in my life. I'm not wearing the crown anymore. I'm taking it off and I'm placing it on your head. When in reality, he's always been king. He's always, but it's the revelation for me to go, you know what? You're the king of my life. Jesus wears the crown. And you know what challenges me? You know when I can tell when there's moments where I'm not allowing Jesus to be the king of my life? Is when he tells me no. Right? Or when he says, hey, not right now. We're going to have to wait. Or even if he's going to be quiet. And I have to sit in the quietness or I have to sit in the, God, what are you doing? I, I don't have all the answers right now. Or I have something that I really want to do, but then I read in Scripture and God's going, actually, I want you to live this way. And I go, oh, and I feel that tension inside of myself, my flesh and that desire in me of going, but I want to do this, right? But God's going, I'm showing you another way. But for me to go, okay, Jesus, you wear the crown. I want to surrender to your ways, not my ways. You're the king of my life. And it gives me an opportunity to live for him. It gives me an opportunity to trust him. Why? Why would I do that? Because he is all powerful. Because he is sovereign. Because he is holy. He is the king of kings. His, his eternal kingdom never ends. I can fully trust him. And if I can fully trust him, what I do when the king walks in is going, you have all authority in my life and I'm here standing ready at attention, right? I'm ready to receive my orders from King Jesus because you have all authority. You speak it and I'm ready. You wear the crown, Jesus. And we begin to think about that in our life. And um, it's easier said than done, right? When we think about this Christmas story. It's easier said than done. Because when we have that inside of us, what will this look like? How will we navigate this? And I love this interaction between the angel and Mary. This interaction right here, I'm telling you, it's the same interaction that you and I have with God. Over and over and over again, the angel is talking to Mary. And can you just... 
can we just step into that scene real quick? Imagine being Mary. One, you're, you're engaged and you have all of these plans and ideas of how you want your life to go. And then God steps in and says, hey, actually, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. And this is how I want to live your life. And she has to take off the crown and go, God, you're the king of my life. I'm ready to serve you, whatever that may look like. But the question she asked the angel, it's so real. It's so good. As we lean in and this is this is the conversation that she says. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be? I am only a virgin, right? I mean, that's an honest, real question, right? For us to step back and go, how will this be? But I think you and I ask that question to God all the time. God may ask us to do something and we go, how will this be? How is this going to happen? You don't know what my friends are going to say. God, you don't know what my boss is going to say when I go in and tell him this. Or if I lived that way, I would get fired. Right? Like, it's a real, like, how would this be? God, if I live this way, then I don't know if that friend group is going to invite me over anymore. Right? We begin to feel this tension that we're walking with or whatever it may be that God calls us to. Or God may lean in and go, hey, I want you to serve in Bridge Kids. And you go, how will this be? Like, I can't be, you can't use me there. Or, hey, you know how to sing. God wants you to sing on the worship team. <gasps> I can't be in front of people. Like, how can this be, right? And God leans in, whatever it may be. Or God may go, look, I need you to start leading your family. And you go, God, how can this be? I don't know. How, I, didn't, I didn't have an example. I, what am I supposed to do? How do I navigate this? Or Christmas season, we get back together with family and God goes, hey, I want you to forgive them. God, how how can this be? I don't know. How am I supposed to be able to navigate this? How do I do this? How is this going to happen? Right? God may go, hey, I I need you to let go of that bitterness. I need you to let go of that bitterness that's making you so angry and tense during this time, during this season. How can this be? And we're asking, almost pleading with God, how is this even going to happen? And this response is so easy, so straightforward, yet so profound and powerful. And this is what the angel says to Mary as she goes back and begins to speak. How will this be? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. That's good news right there, right? He says, how can this be? The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and it will actually overshadow you. Imagine that scene and begin to think about how am I going to lead my family? The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. going to give you the words that you need to say. He's going to guide you into all truth. Jesus says that it is better that I go away because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. How am I going to forgive them? The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and give you the strength. So as you step out in faith, it begins to show you that the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you in your life. And we see this even in Acts chapter 1. Jesus comes. We see here he's coming as a baby. He lives his life. Proves he is who he says he is. Dies on the cross. Three days later, right? Raises from the dead. And then before he goes back to heaven, he says this in Acts 1. What does he say? The same words. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Isn't that fascinating? Right here, Mary's asking this question. It says, how is this going to be? The Holy Spirit's going to come, come upon you and overshadow you. And then in Acts 1, how am I going to do this, Jesus? You can't leave us. I can't take over. I can't do this. this. This is too much. This is too big. And God says, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. 
He's going to overshadow you. He's going to give you the words that you need to say. He's going to begin to show you how how God is going to heal some of those things in you. And layer by layer, he's going to peel those things back. And layer by layer, he's going to tell you what to say and what to do. Because the Holy Spirit is the power and the presence of God in our life. And that is the promise that you and I have. That the power and the presence of God is living in us. Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would fall and descend on someone for a period of time. For God's will to happen in that person or overcome them, give them power, whatever it may be. But yet they, it didn't dwell in every single person who believed in God. He dwelled in the temple. We talked about this last week. And then now in the New Testament, the promise is we have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. That God's power and presence lives in each and every one of us. And that's why it's so important for us to know that he is a humble king, that he is all powerful, right? That his kingdom is eternal. And that same king who has all authority, all power, all knowledge, he has the Holy Spirit living in us. They are one, right? We see God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and everything that we see. God is saying, hey, I'm living in you. To give you strength to do that. And so as we head into this Christmas season. As we head into our families. And we go. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how we're going to navigate this. God leans in and goes. Hey hey, don't forget. The Holy Spirit's with you. Don't forget the Holy Spirit allowing you. But what it takes for you and I to live this out in reality. Because we may be sitting and going. Well okay the Holy Spirit lives in me. But how do I allow the Holy. How does the Holy Spirit work with me. Right. We could have a whole year-long session on that. But as we begin to think about it, it's you and I allowing Jesus to wear the crown. And the Christian battle is the only battle that is won through surrender. Because there's going to be a, a moment where you read Scripture and you go, oh, okay, I'm supposed to live this way, right? But am I wearing the crown? Or is Jesus wearing the crown? And for me to yield and go, okay, This is the way that God's called me to live. So I'm going to yield. I'm going to surrender to that. And when I do that, that means I'm placing my faith in the way that God has called me to live. And when I step out in faith, ooh, it says it's impossible to please God without faith. And every time I do that, my faith is fully counting on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, right? And I have that feeling in me as the Holy Spirit begins to help us to navigate us and to show us the way. But it's us stepping back and going, okay, I don't have to control everything. I'm not the King. Jesus is the King. And how freeing is that for you and I? How freeing is it to know I'm not in charge? I don't have control over everything that has happened in my life, but I can step back and go, you know what, God? You're the king today. And I'm following you with everything that I have. I'm trusting you with everything that is happening. I'm going to take that. Okay, that just happened. I'm taking that as an interruption, God. I'm just going to follow your leading. What do you want me to do in this? And as you're guiding and leading and directing us here in these moments, it's us just trying to stay as close to King Jesus as possible. But the Holy Spirit gives us power as we continue to do this. So as I close here today, I love just the challenges here in this holiday season as we think about the Christmas story. And this amazing story that all of humanity has has surfaced around. And even the calendar, we know that it has changed here at the birth of Jesus, right? Everything shifted when Jesus came onto the planet. And we see this powerful moment for you and I to go, you know what? Where is God leading me here this holiday season? Is it there's something that's in me that I'm still holding on to from my past that I still need to surrender it to God? 
Or is it I need to forgive this person? Or is it I need to take a step back and going, okay, what is this holiday season truly about? Because I've made it into something it hasn't and it's stressing me out, right? Like it's just causing me so much anxiety and worry and fear. So can I just take all of that stuff off and place it at the humble feet of Jesus and go, Jesus, can you just fill me this holiday season? Or is it me stepping back and going, okay, how, how can I serve during this holiday season? How can I look around at the people around me and go, okay, God, you're the king. I'm here to serve. I'm here to help and direct every way that I can. And I think it begins to change the way that we live our lives. And God begins to coordinate things and bring the right people at the right time. And God knows exactly what we need when we need it. And that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit that's dwelling in you and in me. Because he may be directing me one way, but he's directing you another. And he's saying, you need this right here in this season, in this moment of your life. And you need this other thing that's happening in this season in this moment of your life but he continues to move us towards himself and you and I get an amazing opportunity to remember that Jesus is king that he wears the crown and we get to serve God together showing up saying God you wear the crown in my life today and when he leans over and whispers an assignment into your ear hey right just like the angel Gabriel reached in and began to give Mary hey here's what you're going to do Oof, how can this be? I don't know if I can do it, right? I, God, I'm not sure. He's going to lean in and remind us, you have the power of the Holy Spirit that is dwelling in you. If you surrendered your life to Jesus, you have the power of God working in you. And the last thing I'd love to give you here is I can live out God's calling for my life by the power of the Holy Spirit and living according to what God's word says. That's what Mary's response was, right? Mary said, you know what? Okay, God, I believe that your power is going to do it. Not only that, I'm your servant. I'm here, ready to do. Let it be so what you have said. Let it be so what your word says. And I just want to pursue and follow after you. It's the ultimate way for you and I to surrender our lives to Christ. And day by day, moment by moment, he begins to guide us and direct us. But it's taking a step back going, Jesus, you are king. You are holy. You are powerful. I'm trusting you with everything that I have. And so I want to pray for us here this morning. And I'm just praying that, God, maybe you walked into this place here this morning and you're going, oh, what's my next step? What's my move, God? I, I just maybe you walked in this place and, and life is heavy and you're feeling discouraged or whatever that may be. My hope for you is that you'll lean in to King Jesus. Lean into the Christmas story where light came into the darkness and he began to breathe hope and life into you and into myself. And he begins to guide not only us as individuals, but our families. Because he, what he wants to heal and do in you, he wants to do in the next generation, in the next generation, in the next generation. In our lives, we get to look back and go, look, this is what King Jesus did. This is what he set up. And I believe our culture, I told you I was closing. I promise I'm closing right here. But our culture here, as we begin to think, Christmas and Easter, things change, right? I mean, everybody is like, okay, something's happening. Something's going on, right? I mean, you get off work and uh, it's become a little bit of material things and, and one aspect, but another aspect of going, ah, you know, God begins to pull our heartstrings in these moments because think about it, it's when Jesus came and when he died and rose again, these powerful moments where the Holy Spirit is working and it's an amazing opportunity for you and I to go, hey, I know Christmas may be lonely for you during this time. Why don't you come to church with me? 
Well, not only are you going to be encouraged by the word of God, but I want you to meet some really cool people. I want you to meet some people that I've been uh, spending time with, whatever that may be. But begin to introduce the amazing story and the hope of Jesus. And we may step back and go, how can that be? God goes, oh, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing that I would encourage you is that's why it takes faith. Because we may be stepping back going, I don't see the result yet. I don't see the fruit of that yet. And that's why God says, I want you to trust me by faith because we do it by faith. And then he begins to do the work in us and through us as we keep stepping in faith towards him. He begins to produce that fruit in us, produce that fruit in our families, produce the fruit that is around us as we keep taking steps of faith and surrendering to King Jesus. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, your truth, your power. Thank you for sending your one and only son to down the cross for us, God. And I pray over these next few moments that maybe we have come into this place and the holiday season has us running around and all of these moments, we can just take a moment, take a step back and recognize that you are still king. God, I pray that uh, you would carry the crown. You wear the crown all the time, but yet we recognize I don't need to carry it, God. It is too heavy for me. And so we're surrendering that to you. You are all powerful. You can handle all things that are happening in our life, God. And I pray that you would give us wisdom as we navigate the road ahead. I pray that you would give us discernment as we're interacting with people, God. I pray that you allow us to have the same humble spirit that you have, Jesus, as we serve those who are around us. And God, I pray that we can ultimately rest in your presence. That this Christmas season, Jesus, is about you. And may we not just declare that with our words, but with how we live our lives. How we celebrate Christmas. God, we pray that you would allow us just to fully rely on who you are. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, let's stand and worship together. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.